Hello, and welcome to Lore Watch, roundtable freeform discussion about lore and our favorite media. I'm your host, Joe Perez, one of several lore-focused folks from Blizzard Watch, and I've got my marvelous co-host with me today, Matt Rossi. How are you doing today, Matt? I am not a strange visitor from another world who will learn to love humanity and eventually become one with the cosmos, gaining cosmic awareness. Duly noted. We're not here to cosmic talk about... Cosmic awareness... <laughs> no, no, before you go on, I know I know that it's important. We have to talk about things, but... Cosmic awareness in Marvel almost always seems to make you a jerk. Yeah, I was actually just thinking because they just brought. Um, we'll talk about this at some point because I actually do want to do uh, an episode on Sentry at some point, uh, and they're doing a rebirth of Sentry, and it is wild, and it's that level of cosmic awareness turns you into a horrible being. It's weird. Well, yeah, but Sentry was already a horrible person. I, I've well, I've never dead. been able to. Yeah, I know. It doesn't matter. Um, I've never liked Sentry as a character. First off, you got to work pretty hard with a Superman XP to get me to like him. Yeah, for those of you that don't know, he is Marvel's Superman, essentially. He is one of Marvel's Supermans. One of, yeah. Marvel's got a lot of them. Sentry's probably the one who tops out the highest in terms of raw power. Uh, But, like, Marvel's got Gladiator from the Shi'ar Imperial Guard, who is so... Superman that he's even practically got the same name mm-hmm. um, colors as well. Yeah. Um, then you've got Hyperion, the many different Hyperions. There's lots of Hyperions because they come from alternate universes, except for well, ones that don't. Uh, so there's that. Uh, then there's Sentry, as we pointed out. I know there's at least one more, but I can't remember it. Well, there's the ones from the Max comment, uh, com- eh, the Max universe as well, right? The- yeah, but that's still Hyperion. Even if it's a very different Hyperion, it's it's still Hyperion. It's just the adult Hyperion. We'll but talk you, about yeah. those at some point because that was uh, Max so, was one of their Supreme answers Power, to like, yeah. yeah. Supreme, Supreme Power was their, it was a Max title that crossed over with their unlimited, what was it? Not Marvel, ultimate, their ultimate, their ultimate line. Yeah. Yes. It is an so, ultimate title. And it was just, I mean, it was J. Michael Straczynski, so some of the stuff was good, but some of the stuff was really not good. It was their take, it was their t- his take on a Marvel version of the Justice League, and it was very wild. Yeah, but I, I'm going to shut up now so Joe can actually do the show, because otherwise we'll just do comic <laughs> books for an hour. So. Although I have been told that our listeners would love to hear us talk more about that, so that will be coming in the future. Don't worry, folks. We're just going to slot it in where it makes sense. But today we're going to be answering your questions from our wonderful listeners out there. Uh, if you have questions for this or any of our podcasts, be sure to send those in to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Specify the show that it is for and in the subject line. And if you have any special pronunciations of your name, please include them in there. If you want to send us those questions in Discord, we have the Q and Podcast Questions channel there. You can do exactly the same thing. Uh, and then, if you are a Patreon subscriber in Discord, uh, we have a wonderful Patreon Q and Podcast Questions channel where you can submit those questions, and we'll try to get to those first. As a way of saying thank you for helping us keep the lights on. Our first question comes from Octomos. The Moonrage pack of Worgen from Pyrewood outside the Greymane Well disappeared after the Cataclysm, leaving me with questions. Now that we don't, or now that we know what we do about the curse, why do you think they specifically only changed into Worgen in the moonlight, able to shift back and forth without the scythe of a loon, while the rest of their kin were stuck in pack form? Also, can Worgen DKs, as former servants of Argul, transform back into human form canonically, even on death? So the Deathlight answer, I believe, is yes, because that is just how that works. They 
they can do that, I believe. But what do you think about the Moonrage? Uh, the um, ugh, wow, I cannot talk today, folks. I'm sorry. The Moonrage pack disappearing in Pyroward. They didn't disappear. They went up to Northrend. Uh, Elaborate. You, bring us bring us you, up the speed. The Moonrage pack were the specific people in Pyrewood Village who'd been directly cursed by our by our Rugal. I keep on saying Argil, but it's Arugal. Uh, Arugal basically linked them to the you know his attempt to draw the power from what he didn't realize was the prison of the Worgen, where where um the Alpha Prime and all those. He didn't know that that wasn't what he thought it was. He thought it was some other dimensional plane of existence where he could draw upon these these Worgens to fight the Scourge. Um, so they weren't. They weren't cursed like the Worgen in Gilneas are. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Because the Worgen and Gilneas were drawn directly from Alpha Prime. Uh, Arugal was kind of in contact with Alpha Prime. Does that make sense? Like he was, if you guys remember how the original deal with Arugal went, he reached out into what, you know, he was trying to find something in some other realm of existence he could use to fight the Forsaken. Mm -hmm. Uh, At at the time, the Scourge. He didn't, he didn't differentiate. There wasn't a differentiation when he was doing this. The undead that were coming out in in their traditional lands, right? Yeah. Sylvanas hadn't, uh, you know, taken over yet. They didn't have, most of them didn't have their minds yet. And at that time, they were overrunning everything. They were just pushing south into Silverpine because thanks to Gen's wall, and Gen put that wall up way before the Scourge. He didn't know the Scourge was coming. He put that wall up because he wanted to stop everybody from getting into Gilneas. But he said, no, we can't protect up to where you guys are. Pyrewood Village is too far outside of where the wall is going to be because the wall is going to be at this natural choke point. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't that we can't build the wall up there. It would have to go all the way across to Fenris Isle. Then it would have to go across Fenris Isle. You know, it would just, it would have to be too big. We don't have the resources for it. So it's going to be here at this choke point. If you're up there, you can come down and we'll find places for you in Gilneas, or you can fend for your own up there. I'm, I'm abandoning those lands. This was the whole deal 
with Gen's um, fight, and I can never remember his name. But the the one that's the the, the one that's kind of like the uh, Worgen exemplar who isn't Gen, uh, Darius something. Uh, I can't remember off the top. I'm going to look it up yeah. while we. Yeah, but that Gen's whole problem with that guy is that guy's. Those were that guy's lands. He was literally telling that guy, "Your people can come down in here, but all your ancestral land." You know that's outside of my kingdom now. He was basically it was a giant middle finger. Uh, he again thought he had to do it, but still for that Crowley, Darius, Darius Crowley. Crowley. Yep, I, I literally just found it. Yep. Yeah. As soon as you found it, my brain like sensed you found it and was like, okay, this is the information. Just so Joe can't say it, which is dickish of my body. My whatever. It happens. Anyways, so Darius Crowley, he and Gen's fight was over this. While this was all going on, Darius was forced to abandon Pyrewood. Um, meanwhile, Arugal had taken over Shadowfang Keep, and he was using it as his base of operations. Keep in mind, at this time, Arugal had the staff. Yeah. He had this, this, the staff of, of a loon, a scythe of a loon, sorry. Scythe he had the scythe of a loon, and he was using it, but he didn't know what he was doing. He didn't, he, his, his magic was all arcane and based around the traditions of the Council of Terrasfall. He didn't know anything about night elf mysticism. He didn't know night elves existed. So when he created the Pyrewood Pack, it was his first attempt to reach through and get the worgen that, keep in mind, those worgen had been put in a deep sleep underneath the uh, tree. The one you, we, when we first meet Darius in his werewolf form, he's in that tree in, in, in Gilneas. That's where they were asleep. He was reaching underneath, like into like the, the other realm. I think, I guess basically the Emerald dream where they were trapped. And, and keep in mind that that was Malfurion's doing Malfurion and his, his uh, sidekick. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name. The one that died. Uh, but he, they basically put a trap down there because the the inventor of the of the pack form was Malfurion. Mm-hmm. Malfurion Stormage is the first worgen. Like he's the guy that that said, you know what? Why don't we use um, the power of you know of Goldring? Why why are we not touching this? And uh, his, you know, we, we everyone calls him you know Shando and so forth. But his Shando was Scenarius, and Scenarius was like, it's a really bad idea. Yeah, you probably Goldrin, shouldn't do this. Yeah. Goldrin and Elun are kind of not happy with each other. Elun uh, blames Goldrin for for stuff he did, and Goldrin blames Elun for not coming down and fighting during the, the 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 invasion of the demons. So yeah, he's got like this curse thing happening, and you really don't want to touch that. But Malfurion thought he knew better, and so he went and created the pack form. He reached out to Goldrin, and Goldrin was like, "You want power here." Yeah. And just kind of like slammed him with it. And it drove him insane. At one point, Malfurion attacked Cenarius in pack form. And Cenarius had to basically like plant a hoof on his chest and like slam him to the ground and be like, you know, get out of that form. Get out of the form. I'll let you up if you get out of the form. Malfurion turned back and was like, yeah, you're right. That is, that's too dangerous. We shouldn't do that. So the the Relar Fangfire, who became uh, Alpha Prime, was one of Malfurion's students who didn't then did to Malfurion what he did to Cenarius. That's why they ended up getting frozen out in the Emerald Dream. And I'm trying, I'm trying really hard to elide through all this. Well, there's also, we, I mean, we can we can skip ahead a little bit too because there's a lot here. We could probably do an entire episode just on this if we wanted to. Yeah, yeah. So and, and maybe we will. Yeah, but basically, what happens is Arugal gets the scythe, doesn't know what it is, doesn't understand it because it's not. It's not the kind of power that the Council of Terrasfall teaches. It's not arcane magic. 
Arugula was an archmage. He was very gifted, but he didn't, he was completely out of his depth. So he uses the thing. He, he sees into what he thinks is another dimension. He's called, I think he calls it like the, the land, the Lord of the Emerald flame or something. Yeah. Something like that. He, and he mistakes the images he sees of the war of the satyr, which is where Relar Fangfire taught other druids the prac form so they could defeat the satyr. And he, he mistakes this as this other dimension and he inadvertently pulls the original, you know, Alpha Prime, uh, Relar Fangfire. He pulls him out of his imprisonment. When he does this, he creates the Pyrewood, the, the uh, Pyrewood uh, Village Worgen, the, uh, the Moon Rage. And when you go to Cataclysm, you, you don't see the Moon Rage anywhere because the ones that didn't go north with, with the Rugal, because you know a Rugal ends up, no, up in, um, in Northrend. Like if you do the whole Worgen plotline up there, that you'll run into a Rugal again, and and you find out that that's where a bunch of them relocated. The ones that stayed down in Silverpine, like in in uh, in Shadowfang Keep, the ones up at Fenris Isle, they got wiped out. No, not with, no, no, no they they didn't not yet. They in, in Cataclysm sure. they were absorbed into the Bloodfang Pack. Yeah, exactly. But the ones they've been eradicated in Silverpine as of as of this expansion. Yeah, they get, but they get pushed during, and when you go to the cataclysm and during the cataclysm, they get pushed to certain places. Like mm-hmm. they're not in, they're not wandering silver pine. They're like stuck in Shadowfang Keep, or they're stuck uh, up in Fenris Isle. And they're basically making deals with other packs. And that's the, yeah, the blood thing that, that Joe mentions. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah. Go I was going to say, this is, this is, uh, this is involves uh, Darius Crowley and the whole storyline with the Gilneas liberation front, which was moving against the horde and silver pine. Um, you have Ivar Bloodfang, who is the leader of the Bloodfang pack uh, alongside Darius Crowley, uh, basically uh, welcoming and recruiting refugees uh, of the various worgen in order to try to fight back against uh, the the Forsaken. Uh, after all that was said and done, there's a whole thing where Sylvanas captures Lorna Crowley. Uh, I believe it's the wife, not the daughter of Darius Crowley. And uh, uses it as a bargaining chip to get Crowley to surrender. Uh, and then the Bloodfang pack after that retreated from Silver Pine to... Uh, contested areas this is where Matt's talking about how they all sort of like spread out, right? Yeah, they couldn't they couldn't uh, stay together, and the Moon Rage were literally absorbed. They absorbed twice, yeah, because they absorbed into the Blood Fang, and then Blood basically Ivar and Crowley make a deal, and Crowley kind of resumes control. This is also where you first find out that Sylvanas's uh, Valkyr can raise her from the dead. Yeah, this is the first because, time we find it because she gets yeah off by Crowley. Yeah, and so. Basically, if you're wondering what happened to the Moon Rage, the answer is um, either they went up to Northrend with Arugal, there is members of the of the Pyrewood pack, go up there with him, or they were murdered, not murdered, exterminated by the Forsaken, or they were absorbed by the Bloodfang, who were then absorbed into the Gilnean Worgen. Uh, and various and, others, because they they existed yeah. in Battle for Azeroth, was where they sort of like re- reconnected with the Alliance when at the beginning, when all that started happening, trying yeah. to sabotage orc ships uh, and, and, and things like that. And if um, you've been watching, if you watched the uh, liberation of Gilneas at the uh, end of the most current expansion, I mean, they don't necessarily say, hey, this one's a Moonfang, but they definitely are Moonfang Worgen there. Oh, 100%. Yeah. It's they're, sort of all, they're sort of all back under one banner. Essentially, yeah, more or less. Essentially, there's if if you're a worgen 
and you're not one of the independent feral ones roaming the world, you are considered to be part of Gilneas now. The Gilneans have have absorbed most of them. Now, the second part of the question is dealing with the Death Knights, which I just want to kind of touch on real quick. Death Knights are a little bit different than raising something else in Undeath. So, canonically, Death Knights are essentially uh, taking the soul and shoving it back in the body, not necessarily the fractured existence that are what we've normally seen from Undead or uh, from Forsaken as it as it is. We've seen this with Sylvanas. We've seen this with others, where if you're raised as a Forsaken, part of you comes back. Uh, it's almost like a second life, right? You're, you're, you almost have like a second soul uh, sort of regaining anima or life experience while your other one is pushed out to the, the Shadowlands. Uh, that's exactly what happened with Sylvanas when she was fractured, uh, as far mm-hmm. as Frost, uh, the Frostmourne and everything else goes. And we've seen that also with... Uh- Oh, bloody heck, most famous paladin ever. Uther. Thank you, Uther. Um, Uther's soul is fragmented by, you know, people who are killed with Frostmourne seems to, like, immediately splinter them. But uh, but but people who are killed just by the scourge, by the by the plague of undeath, this can still happen to them. Yeah. Uh, and Nathanos had this happen to him. Nathanos absolutely had this happen to him, and look, what ha- and look how that was sort of reforged, and how he had vestiges of himself and sort of rebuilt himself. But the Death Knights... No matter if they were a former servant of uh, Ar- Arugal or not, Death Knights of all the races are basically what Terran Gorfine first did, which was shoving orc souls into a human shell. No, it's no, just, not Terran. That's what happened to Terran. What happened to Terran. Gul'dan, sorry. Apologies. Yeah. Um, Gul'dan developed... Uh, I'm just going to throw this really fast. Gul'dan developed a technique where he could take the souls of his dead Necrolites and put them in jeweled truncheons. And then... He, when he put the tr- jeweled truncheon in the hand of another, it was the body of another dead person. That spirit would leave the truncheon and go into the body. Mm-hmm. So what Arthas has done is take that basic technique, which he knows because he has all of Nurzul's memories at the time. Remember this. Nurzul taught Gul'dan everything he knew. So he knew how to do it because he had Nurzul's memories. And Nurzul had even examined Terran Gorfiend to figure out why is this human telling me he's an orc? You know, I knew Terangar. Why is this this human showed up and told me he's Terangar? So he examined him, figured out exactly how Gul'dan did it, and changed it. Because he takes the spirit and puts it back in the original body. He isn't putting it in just any body he finds. Mm-hmm. He's putting it back in that body. Which is important here because in the case of like a worgen who has the ability to shift back and forth or the ability to have some semblance of control over the curse and their new flesh... Uh, when you're being shoved back into your body as a worgen death knight, you have that same ability to to a degree, right? Mm-hmm. You're able to shift the fleshy form back into uh, your human esque mode, and that's why they can do. It. It's why they all of them can do that. Yeah. Um, it's, another way to look at it is this: death knights are undead, but they're not scourge slash forsaken undead. They are body isn't a rotting thing as long as they feed it the mm-hmm. thing it needs the, the the anguish and pain of others or the you know yourself quite frankly that's what keeps this particular kind of undeath going as long as you do that the body is not decaying it's like it's frozen it's like it's in a state of perpetual undeath yes yeah, more yeah more akin to the way Kalia is or the way uh like sylvanas or Nathanos were at, at when they were at their peak than the way the average Forsaken is. The average Forsaken's existence is one of a continuous deliquescence. Yeah. 
Uh, that's not the case for undead for on death knights. And that's why this is an important thing. Essentially the body is alive or more accurately, the body doesn't know it's dead. Yeah. It's, it's, that's a really good way to put it because it, it's essentially the anguish is being fueled back into the, into whatever the spark is that animates that magic, which is essentially anima magic at that point, which yeah, is keeping the body in that, that sort of limbo, that, that stasis state. But it's still, for all tents and purposes, a living, a living slash unliving body. Like it has a lot of the same things. Like they can interact with the world in every way they could when they were alive and don't have to worry about their digits falling off. Yeah. And I think it's, it's really important to understand that, that death Knights, as long as they're doing the whole suffer well business, as long as they're inflicting pain and anguish uh, on anything, it doesn't matter what, like they can go and torture themselves if they want to, they can go and and like be a, a foe to all evil and thus torture those guys. As long as they're doing that, the body just is traipsing along going, ha ha ha. It's a lovely day. Look at the sunshine. Wait a minute. Why am I suddenly dying inside? <laughs> oh, oh, I feel better now. Okay, good. You stabbed that person. Ah, you know, it's like the body has no idea. It's not alive. And as long as the death knight can keep tricking it, it'll, everything's fine. As long as you can keep that going, you're fine. And that's why if you notice death knights, and not just Worgen, if you're a death knight of any race, you have like, you know, that you have most of the abilities of that race. I mean, yeah. you don't get stuff like the, the human racial, because it's not like a, a power humans have humans don't just go like, you know, thrum. Oh yes. You're very diplomatic. No, but you still have like, you know, all that stuff. You're still basically a human. You're still mm-hmm. basically a blood elf, mm-hmm. whatever you were before you still basically are. And so it's, if it is interesting and I'd love to see at some point, some storyline in wow, have like some forsaken death knight, like being like, man, I got the crummiest deal ever. I got stuffed back into a rotting body that I'm convincing it's still rotting. Well, like so you actually, know. you know, hold on a second. So that's a that's an interesting proposition too. Forsaken Death Knights, are they honestly the best case for a Death Knight for as far as fueling that magic? Because they're constantly in pain. That's that's what the Forsaken are. Does mm-hmm. that anguish and pain fuel the magic that keeps them in stasis? So it's a never ending cycle. Did we solve the perpetual energy problem basically with Forsaken Death Knights? I actually feel like there should be quests about Forsaken Death Knights and the Forsaken getting together to really study how it works for Forsaken Death Knights. Yeah, you know, I kind of was thinking about that, too, especially with all the stuff with Kalia and the Mm -hmm, reclaiming of mm -hmm. the Forsaken and everything that happened with Shadowlands. That would be a really good opportunity to sort of explore that. And we talk about this a lot. I'm sorry. This is a random aside. We're doing this because we'll get to another question. I promise you. Uh, But I would love to see the Forsaken given a little more time to sort of coalesce as a i don't want to say a race but as a a, as a group of as a group of individuals right because they're absolutely fascinating and before the storm we learned so much about them so Mm -hmm. much about what their existence are what they think what they feel how they view the world how they interact with the world and now with kalia they're not living in sewers anymore they're not afraid to sort of be among the rest of the world they've sort of sued for after everything that happened with uh, Sylvanas, the ones that didn't stand with her have sort of found an uneasy new peace with the rest of the horde. Um, maybe not necessarily the Alliance yet, though. I think that is coming, especially after what happened with the Gelnea stuff. Get, yeah. If they can get Gen Greymane to not immediately kill them on site. Oh yeah. I mean, that's a pretty big deal. I don't think people understand how big a deal that is. 
And, and yes, it's a segue, but you know what, guys, you come here for the segues. Who are you kidding? You know, you want us to segue. <laughs> We're going to segue. Consider us up on a weird two-wheeled vehicle. The thing about all of this that we're talking about right now, the, the death knight thing, the worgen thing, so forth, it's interesting to think about right now we are in, and I don't, I'm not even this, I'm going to call it this, but then I'm going to clarify it. We're in the post Sylvanas phase. Yeah. Okay. And we have been for like three years of game time as of right now in the story, there was a three year gap and we've been without Sylvanas for that three year period. As a result, or Undead institutions, the Forsaken have institutions. They have things that they've built up. They've got the Desolate Council now. They've they've reforged that. They're they're that's leading them. They've got the, you know, the the Royal Society of Alchemists, who now don't have Sylvanas saying, make me another plague. What are they doing? Because because what is their purpose without her telling them what to do? What are the alchemists doing? One of the things I think would be really cool is if they've decided we're going to study undeath itself because that is what we are. We are undead, but we're alchemists and alchemists transmute things. How do we make this undead experience, this existence of ours, less awful? Like Sylvanas kept trying to come up with a way to get around, you know, extinction for the, for the Forsaken. And her approach was always, I need to find some great power that I can use to continually reanimate the dead. But you've got these Forsaken Alchemists who now have, they've got the example of Forsaken Death Knights. As Joe pointed out, do we have a solution to the perpetual energy problem? Do we have a solution to the my body is constantly falling apart problem? Well, maybe these guys do. And if they do, can we learn how to do that? Well, can also, we, also, can, add can, into we, it, can we look at? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go I was going to say, add into it that this would fit really well because one of the one of the themes for Kalia, even though she's trying to f- figure out her place in the world, she's also trying to figure out what she is because she doesn't tick any of the normal boxes either, right? She's not she's not a Forsaken, she's not a Light Forged, uh, she's not a Void Forged, uh, she's not something that is. Uh, a death knight, not in a true, not in anything like them, and she's not the Forsaken 2.0 that Sylvanas was doing by infusing another, like the whole Nathanos thing, where they ate his yep. nephew and shoved that soul energy, that anima, back into his body to bring him back up to uh, pretty boy status. Like, like they literally used his nephew's body as the building blocks of the new body that they gave Nathanos. Yeah, but they absolutely. didn't, but they didn't do any of that with Kalia. No. So no. after, after she was shot and after she was taken back to, why can't I think it was it the Netherlight crucible? Uh, no, but it's the, the place that the, the priest to order hall. Yeah. I, it's like the Netherlight something. I don't remember. I apologize folks. It's like, it's like the Netherlight temple or something like you that. Keep going. I'll look it up. Yeah. Um, when her body was brought back there, she was brought back with the power of not just the light wielders, but a light wielder through uh, somebody who was a forsaken. Yeah, right? Another late temple, by the way. Thank you. And Alonzo's foul because we're going to not yes. remember his name. So I'm throwing it now. Uh, but when that was done, she was born again, not truly resurrected because the light didn't bring her back like you normally would expect. But she wasn't forsaken, undead or a death knight. She is unique. She is something that doesn't make, well, it doesn't really make sense quite yet. And well, it's, there's a good point when you're doing all the stuff, uh, when you're doing the things to re- to get back um, under city for the forsaken, 
um, Kalia is actually pretty disturbed about her existence, and she talks to that al- uh, alchemist in the Shadowlands, the one that you go talk to. I can't remember her name. Sorry, guys. There's just a lot of characters in this game. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. But the, the, the one thing that's said to her is that necromancy and death magic are different things. Yeah. The power of death that we that we hone here in the Shadowlands is a specific cosmic power, just like all the other ones. But using it for necromancy is simply a decision. That's you can do necromancy with anything. You could you could use any ma- any powerful magic to do it, and that's what I think. That's the building block for what we're going to figure out about Kalia. This is just speculating, but eventually we're going to figure out that Kalia is. It's an alternative path of necromancy using the light. And it was, it was based because it was Alonsus Fowl and Anduin who working together brought her back. I think they weren't trying to resurrect her in the first place. They were trying to bring her back. That was their goal that they wanted Kalia back. Kalia didn't have a place in the world alive as a living human. Kalia's life had basically been over her her kingdom was gone. Her people were gone. She couldn't join them. You know, she couldn't, her, her dead husband and dead child were gone from her. So she was forever kind of in this, like, you know, half, if you look at Kalia before she dies, she's basically kind of dead already. Yeah. Like Cause every, every other aspect of her life, the world and everything around her was been taken away from her. So like, yeah, she was, she was afloat. Like and that's, by, that's the whole point it, of the book, right? Yeah, and in a weird sort of way, dying and coming back in this fashion returned her people to her because the the Lord the people of Lordaeron are the Forsaken. We often forget this. The victims of the Scourge, the the greatest victims of the Scourge, are the Forsaken. As much as much as we talk about the elves and how that were they were affected and everything else, but <laughs> you, they absolutely correct. It was the kingdom of Lordaeron that was the affected the most, and it was human allies and possibly under the Lodoran banner, but also just other human nations that sort of also fell to that. And don't forget when Stormwind was, when Stormwind fell, because Stormwind did at one point have a whole host of problems. Yeah. Orcs destroyed it just straight yeah, up. Straight you know, that's up. what happened. Second war was because the first war ended in an Orcish victory and the destruction of Stormwind. That's just, that's what happened. But where where do where do the humans retreat to? They retreat to Lordaeron. They retreat to you know those that are there. Retreat to the only other human kingdom that they can. And Lordaeron played an important part in that. Maybe not everybody left, and some maybe some became 
Lodoran citizens as a result of maybe connections they made during that time uh, or married into families there and stayed and settled into that type of life before they were all taken taken out by uh, the wonderful scourge that came through and, and yeah, basically, if you remember Warcraft three, um, and Arthas, literally there's a mission for undead Arthas to go and murder people before they can escape. Mm-hmm. People are leaving. They are fleeing Lordaeron. Where are they fleeing to Stormwind? Why are they fleeing to Stormwind and not say Gilneas? Well, big wall. Why aren't they fleeing to the Arathi Highlands? Cause it's just been, you know, destroyed, uh, over the course of the invasion. Um, why aren't they running to, you know, Alterac? Cause the horde wiped that out. There's like, there's, you go and look at all the possible places they could go. They don't go to Dalaran because they, they have no belief that the wizards will help them. Like the wizards have a big bubble and they're not going to let you in. They don't go, there's nowhere else to go. So they go to Stormwind. I mean, are they going to go to Cal Terrace? Like they haven't had any contact with yeah. Cal in how long? Yeah, ever since uh, you know Admiral Prodmore, you know he's been off. Like basically at this point, Admiral Prodmore is sitting in Colteris, and he's not really interacting with the outside world other than his daughter. At one point, he comes looking for his daughter, but that's it. He doesn't show up with boats to help anyone. The only people who survive the Lordaeron situation are the ones who go to Theramore with Jaina. Jaina literally steals the the Lordaeron navy and evacuates as many people as she can. Uh, or the ones that go to Stormwind. And we know they do because there's people wandering around Stormwind muttering about what they lost. Like, uh, what's her name? Old Nan? There's just We know she's there. In, bef- in Before the Storm, you actually see even more of them. But those are the people that survived. The ones that survived fled to those areas. The ones that didn't survive are the Forsaken. Like, not everybody got up. Mm-hmm. But everybody who did get up Everyone who is a Forsaken was a citizen of Lordaeron. So only now that she is herself undead, even if she's not a Forsaken, she is now undead. Now she can be with them. They can. Ex- they will accept her. They have started to accept her. As of right now, they they do accept her. Like straight up, they don't want her to rule them as a queen, but they accept her as one of them. She's on the council. She's listened to. Uh, is she like, do they, do they view her the way they did Sylvanas? No. And quite frankly, I don't think Callie would want to be viewed. Like no, that, and very much so. Like she's, she's, it's very much not wanting to rule in so much as help guide people. There's a big yeah, she difference wants, there. She wants to help. And the thing that's funny is even if Sylvanas came back now, after the past few years, based on the thing that she says during when you, you get her note, if you're like one of the people who was loyal to her at the time. She straight up says that, you know, it's for the best that the Desolate Council is in charge. It's like the person Sylvanas is now, the person that has had her soul completely reintegrated, doesn't want to rule the the Forsaken. Mm -hmm. She thinks of them as her people. She wants them to survive, but she no longer wants to be. She no longer believes that only she can do it because now she has the ability to empathize again. Not she's not. She's still undead, but she's a complete undead. And that was her biggest problem. She wasn't complete. Part of her was gone. And that's the problem a lot of Forsaken have. They can't feel everything. Their bodies are detached from them. It's very hard for them to remember what it was like to be alive. If the Worgen Death Knights and the Forsaken Death Knights can show the undead of, of Lordaeron, the Forsaken, a path to 
some kind of reconstruction or some kind of essentially halting the, the deliquescence of their condition, they don't have to reproduce. If you're an undead that doesn't rot away, you, the Forsaken will, will never have to worry about extinction because they won't die. Mm-hmm. And whilst it's a strange limbo, if they're already here and they want to continue to exist, why not let them? As long as they're not doing scourge things, why not let them? That's I've always thought about this in terms of when Warcraft, I've always thought about this in terms of the liches we run into. Most of the liches we run into are raving maniacs, but there's the one that's a trainer in the, in the death, in the death Knight order hall who he, he's very cheerfully serving Bolvar in, in Legion. Uh, he does, you know, he's not running around being a maniac as long as he's not, what's the deal? Why not just let him continue being a lich? He's not hurting anyone. I, f- I feel like that's a big part of what I love about Warcraft is that understanding that just because someone is quote unquote a monster doesn't mean you have to destroy them, right? Because what what really qualifies as a monster and like yeah. that is look look at what happened with uh Thrall and his uh it, his incarceration, right? What does, was Thrall the monster or was it the perfectly normal looking human that was oh, really the yeah. the monster, right? Like monster yeah, is, I, is so subjective as far as, uh, yeah, as far as it goes here. The monster of Thrall's origin story is absolutely Dallas Blackmore. Yep. There is no question. He is the bad guy. He is the monster. Uh, he murdered a woman just for being kind to someone. But yeah, just Tar- because something looks different and looks, yeah, looks like exactly. you're a non-typical humanoid does not immediately mean that they are, they must be eradicated or destroyed. I mean, how many times have we gone through that with all of the things we've come across? Yeah. And that's like, to me, that's the reason the horde works as a faction. Mm-hmm. Like one of the things that, that you go back and forth on, you know, oh, I'm Alliance, ride or die. I'm horde, whatever. The reason that the horde works as a faction is that the horde are the X-Men. I'm, I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. But the Horde of the X-Men, in that they are they're there on Azeroth, seeking to defend Azeroth from things like, you know, the, the, the Legion and the Scourge, in a world that fears and hates them. They say, no, we're not. I, I get that you're scared, but I'm not going to eat your brains. I'm not unreasonable. No one's going to eat your eyes. Okay? Let's just take it down a peg. And it's like, it's so amazing to me that all these years ago, it was the Tauren who basically said to Thrall, look, we have to let them in. It was, it was Cairn and it was Hamul who are like, look, you can't say no to them. They're, they're in this situation. Does it look familiar to you? Like that, you know, I seem to recall, and I mean, I wasn't there. I was over here on this continent, but I seem to recall a bunch of ravening demon blood addicted monsters put in camps. Does that, you know, you, you, you feeling me here, Thrall? And Thrall's like, yeah, you're right. I don't like it, but you're right. And that's why the the Forsaken were originally in the Horde. The reason the Blood Elves are in the Horde is because Sylvanas, when they were reached out, when, when the when the Blood Elves reached out to the Horde and said, look, you know, we need somebody to help us, please. It was Sylvanas who was like, you know, she stopped and she remembered like who she had been. And she was like, I, I say we should we should let them in. Again, she paid it forward. For all that we can talk about Sylvanas' flaws as a character. She she remembered who she was, and she brought them in. That's the core of the horde. It's not that the alliance are like evil jerks. It they are justifiably afraid of things that they see like undead. You know, 
that makes sense. It makes sense to be afraid of a walking, talking corpse. I'm not saying it doesn't, but it is that, that moment of, you know, this is not a monster just because it scares you because you don't understand it because it's unknown to you doesn't mean you can't find common ground. That's the thing I loved about blood about before the storm as a novel is you actually see the forsaken and the people of Stormwind reaching across that divide to each other, to each other. The humans are reaching to the, to the forsaken and the forsakens are reaching back. And that's, it's, Something that we didn't get to have because Battle for Azeroth then happened, but it's something we're getting to have now, is we're going to have stories that are more complex than just, you know, er, dead monster, I smash you, and er, stupid human, I turn you into a, mo- into a zombie. There's, there's actual room for discussion. Like, I, I actually think it's, it's this, this question you've asked is really fundamental to Warcraft as a setting. And I realize I've rambled on for quite a bit, and I, Joe has been really quiet, so I'm going to shut up now, and hopefully Joe will have some stuff to say. No, I, I, I'm I'm loving what you're saying here because it, it's very accurate, right? Like that's one of the things we're getting into an era of storytelling where uh, let's let's be honest. At the original onset of World of Warcraft, things were very simple, right? They were they were not exactly as nuanced as they are now. Four years have passed since you know, blah blah. Yeah, and, and yeah, absolutely. And now we're entering an era where, while some people feel very strongly about, especially the last few expansions, the storytelling and the characterization has become much more nuanced, much more involved. Um, and that allows us to have more complicated discussions about how sort of the races interact with each other. Dragonflight is a really good example of just that. Like, you take the war between the factions, you take the bad blood you take um, basically everything out of uh, the, the the more volatile parts of Warcraft, and you get an interesting me- like just mishmash of of races having to deal with each other. Because Alex Strauss made no bones about it. You show up here, you're not bringing your warriors. The champion can come, I guess. But you, I want your scientists, your explorers, we're going back home. This is not, I'm not going to deal with your petty squabbling. If you show up and you squabble, I will burn you. Um, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And then what do we do? We're forced to live in these cities together and, and we're helping collectively helping the dragon flights figure out not just their past, but how to move forward with their future. And it's humans right alongside orcs doing that. It's, you know, Vulpera, you know, chilling with gnomes. It's, you know, all of these races have to work together uh, in this because it's not a large standing army. It's not this huge military action that we've seen over the course of, like, Battle for Azeroth and a bunch of other points. It's just ragtag bands of heroes uh, standing together because there is no other choice. But then at the end of it, like the reclaiming of the world tree, essentially when the rebirth of Bellamath and, and, and everything there and, you know, fighting to save the seed and, and fighting to sort of rectify a problem that was caused specifically by this conflict between the Horde and the Alliance. Everybody participates in that, right? Whether you're Horde or Alliance canonically, it's a group of both that go through mm-hmm. and fight on behalf of the elves and fight on behalf of the dragon flight to make Amadrasal come back to the real world. And it, you wouldn't have had that 
two expansions ago because it wasn't oh. it was a world ending threat, but not on the same level as things that we've experienced over the last two expansions. Yeah, in a in a real way, this has been first off, this is the expansion that has had very little effect on the rest of Azeroth. Mm-hmm. Not not because it wouldn't have, but because it got dealt with before it could. Like all the stuff with the incarnates is dealt with on the Dragon Isles and underneath them. And meanwhile, if you're off in like if you were off in Stormwind, or or like say you're down in um one of the the territories south of of Stormwind where they're they've been having hard times, you've you've had the past three years, and then however long this expansion is, and you haven't had any world-ending threats. You know, you can just farm. You can try to rebuild what you've lost. You know, it's a time for these people to rest, and it's a it's the it's a nice solid three four year chunk of peace. And that's necessary. You cannot have unceasing war. Like if you look at what happened with the hundred years war in our own history, they didn't fight constantly. Mm-hmm. It's not called the hundred years war. Cause literally for a hundred years, they did nothing but fight. It's called the hundred years war because they just kept having new battles and stuff down the road, but they had times of peace and that's, you, you can't live in a continuous war zone. If you look at war zones today, people leave them. Because they can't live there. Uh, there's this place in France called the Zone Rouge. Uh, after World War I, the Zone Rouge was so horribly poisoned and destroyed by World War I that no one could live in it. And to this day, there are still parts of France that are considered Zone Rouge. You still can't live there. Either because it's too poisonous or there's too many unexploded shells in the ground or too many mines or just plain... No one wants to like, there's like, there's like the ghosts of towns. There's these skeletal remains of towns that just wiped off the map. Nobody wants to live in it for, for various reasons. That's the kind of thing you, you see that in Azeroth, you see that in parts of Ashenvale that are just so demon scarred that, you know, people are like, well, we'll guard the area, but we're not going in there to try to get them out. Cause there's just so many of them and it's not worth it. That kind of place. If, if, if not, we didn't have a period of time to get away from it all. Eventually, all of Azeroth would just be that. And I like the idea of the Alliance and the Horde moving past the point of being of existing because the other one exists to fight and turning into we exist to defend our own and not necessarily from those people. We exist to defend our own. We exist. Imagine in a hundred years. If instead of the Alliance and Horde existing as opponents, they're essentially like unions that, that come together in a place like Belemeth to discuss politics. It's like the UN almost. And you, you, could, you could have those stories in Warcraft now. You could have a cold Warcraft where like people are spies and provocateurs and agents. And just there's a lot of room now. And you can still have big war stuff. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, you can still have big war stuff. It just doesn't always have to be with those people. Like, why do we always have to be fighting those guys? And that doesn't, you know, doesn't mean you're friends. But to a certain degree, uh, something I've always thought was interesting. And Joe, uh, I'd love to hear what you think about this one. But I've always thought this: it would be real easy for humans and orcs to live together. It really would. Like, yeah. Think ahead, about go. it. I uh, like, think about it. Like the humans. Despite everything that happened, if let's say that the invasion never happened and instead they came to Azeroth as pilgrims, 
they came not seeking to conquer the land, but they had come seeking refuge. Yeah, like right? if Durotar had opened it and just pulled like all his non-corrupted orcs through and would said, look, this is happening on my world, please. And, you know, Stormwind would have hemmed and hawed, but any nation ruled by Lane would have given them something. Oh, 100%. And, yeah. and the interesting thing about that is like you can think about it and look at it. Think about them being farmers right next to each other. They know how to raise livestock. They know how to farm. They're mm-hmm. crafters. They're exceptionally They've actually gifted. managed to make they've managed to make the blasted wasteland of Durotar yield up a living. Not a great one, but they've managed it. They That's survive a, they, in a land that was essentially nobody wanted because it was virtually impossible to survive there. Imagine mm-hmm. what they could have done with fertile lands. Imagine you know, the Swamp of Sorrows. You just put them in the Swamp of Sorrows. That's fertile as heck. Let them live there. Mm-hmm. And they could totally have transformed it. So, and the thing is, like, they're at the core, their values and their family structures and their belief structures are not too different. No, um, no they're not. Like, so if you look at it from the, the term of, like, the clans, that's very similar to how the royal families were delineated down. Uh, or the kingdoms and yeah, if you go back and look, that. yeah, go back and look at the kingdom of the nation of Arator when it was founded. Mm-hmm. Look at that and compare it to the orc clans. It's <laughs> basically the same. Yeah, right. Each of those human, each of those human kingdoms had their own specialties, same way that the orc clans did. Uh, then you have the the skilled craftsmen. They know how to do a lot of things that maybe they could have taught the humans, and maybe they will in the future. That the humans weren't really ready to do on their own right they had different farming techniques because of the lands they knew how to communicate with the spirits of nature which humans didn't know at this point right no had, they used to know it and they had forgotten it yeah because the the culturians were the only ones that still remembered or had that tradition not quite the, Gil- the gilneans did gilneans too. did too yeah but it was it was obviously like it was considered like that's the old way and and people sneered at it and so yeah Imagine if instead of, you know, the Worgen curse and Druids turning those people into Druids, imagine if they just met the orcs and learned shamanism from them. Yeah. And, and learned like, okay, we're having a really bad season. We need more rain. And the shamans of the orcs going, oh, cool. We'll, we'll, we'll go talk to the water spirits. Give us like an hour. We'll see if we can make a bargain with them. Right. And then you imagine on the other side, the orcs learn about the light. Yeah. Because we the, know orcs can, in fact, learn about the light. Now, no, think about that. Take that even a step further. Orcs being drafted into the paladin orders, stalwart warriors who are dedicated to a cause. The orcs are that to a T. If you and t- imagine you, you got like Durotan sitting there talking to Uther and Uther's like, look, um, we've got this this martial philosophy idea we've got going where we touch on this this force called the light. And it's really good against demons. Oh, they'd love, they be like, eat that. Yeah. yeah, let's go. Yeah. Wait, you mean I, I wasn't, you, mean, you mean I could brand a demon and boil, boil its flesh off this immortal existence? I'm in. <laughs> yeah, show me how to do this. A hammer? I'm I'm willing to switch to hammers. Uh, but if you guys are considered putting a hammer on one side and an axe on the other side, have you thought about that? Because I think that this is a winning combination. Like, yeah, I mean, obviously at this point we've wandered into. You know, what if territory, but yeah, but I mean, we have a few minutes left, so we might as well keep going. But like, it's even them, even then, like, just if you even just use from now, from this point forward, go a hundred years forward, I could see there being kingdoms or cities or something where just orcs and humans have have hit upon 
a really good strategy to, to coexist. And I think they could do it because they're, as you pointed out, they're not very dissimilar. Yeah. And, and think about, I mean, it would be an interesting what if to explore too, because how would that have affected the rest of the races at this time? Right. Yeah. How would that have affected uh, the Torrin coming into uh, sort of any sort of structure whatsoever? Would they still have, they, would they just still be nomads kind of just living on their own in peace, maybe clashing with the elves uh, every now and then would the elves have been pushed into any sort of reasonable further alliance with the humans uh, if it wasn't for the horde tearing through places like silver moon um because don't forget or, yeah. the horde mm-hmm. did do that at one point oh yeah it was the only the only reason that the uh well there's two reasons uh the first was yes it was in their own best interest the second was though instead of fighting on their own where they they wouldn't be able to win but they were a little bit too proud to admit that uther basically just solved the issue not uther sorry um lothar and lothar solved the issue by saying look you owe me mm-hmm. you specifically anisterian you owe me you owe my bloodline i'm the last living member of my bloodline uh so you owe me i'm calling it and anisterian's like wait i get to get out of the debt and win I'm not seeing a downside here. All right. What would have happened had that not happened? But the other thing to think about is like, we often think that kind of stuff. Well, this would never would have happened. But but the thing is, imagine an Azeroth forewarned about the Legion coming. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Forewarned about the corrupted orcs who are drinking blood and serving, uh, you know, these demons. And you've got time for everybody to reach out. Mm-hmm. And keep in mind, you've got Sargeras inside Medivh. Uh, Medivh still working to bring them through. So, but He's now still out there. But now you have a force of a force of orcs that know how they work and has been teaching the humans their tactics, their mentality, what yeah, dark the hum- arts yeah. they're wielding. And the humans can reach out to other human kingdoms and say, "Look, you know, believe us or don't." And and keep in mind, Lothar still had that chip. 
Yep. Anisterian theoretically could not refuse him. If, if Lothar had said, look, I'm tired of having this debate with you. You owe me. Get in line. Yeah. Anisterian would have had to do it. He would have wanted to do it also to discharge the debt because he hated having that debt over his head. And the interesting thing is like the timing of it could have potentially forced the story to not necessarily change too much either. Like, Yeah, because it's too close. You can't get away from the, the freight train of the Legion coming. You could but, still but also, come. But also think about it, the, the orcs that would have lost facing against their own uh, and the United Humans on the other side would have still scattered and found pockets to sort of cause trouble in Azeroth. Mm-hmm. We'd yes. still we'd still have probably the 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 black uh, the Black Rock orcs doing their thing. Um, you do, do the Black Rock orcs. The Black Rock orcs took over Black Rock Mountain because the 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 the, the Dark Iron Dwarves weren't connected to anybody else. Yeah. And they still could have done that. Yeah. And, and it, it like it, it, you still have, you could still potentially have all the major story beats, but without that, that initial animosity and in, uh, between the two factions that ignited like the horde coming through the portal ignited sort of like, I don't want to say xenophobia. But no, I, that is actually a but, it, but fair it, comment. That's yeah. up. And you know who the chief xenophobe was? If you go back and read the books, Turalyon. Yeah, Turalyon really was. And that's that is still in his character. It's changed because he's, you know, met he's, you know, he's softened he's met, a bit. He's met beings that he decided, you know, well, this group of alien things who are alien to me are not so bad, but he still kind of looks at orcs like they're monsters. Oh, very much so. And I mean, and that'll that, never change. I think, and it'll never change. I think it should be explored. Uh, I think it should absolutely be explored. We 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 so often look at what the horde did and Yes, they did those things. I am I am not a horde apologist. I think anybody mm-hmm. who's watched listened to the show knows this. But it is worth remembering that the alliance is not a faction of puppy huggers and never did nothing wrong people. You can for every orcish atrocity, you can come up with a nice alliance one to counter it. At this point, uh, yeah. At this point the alliance has done I mean heck, Garethos. Just Garethos. Not only is Gareth, was Garethos a massive bigot, it's his fault that the Blood Elves even exist. Yep. I mean, they still would have been the Blood Elves, but the way they are, the antagonism they felt towards the Alliance, the hatred they felt was because of Garethos, who treated them like cannon fodder, who threw them to the undead to die, who tried to kill them when they succeeded at the mission he told them to succeed at, but used alliances he didn't approve of. Like you, you, you worked with Naga, kill him. You know, did you, did you like think that we weren't going to take whatever advantages we could to survive this ridiculous thing you told us to do in Dalaran that nobody could survive? We're not morons. Yeah. And, and like you might, you might skip some of the other tragedies too, right? Like think about, mm-hmm. think about this world. And I want to kind of just go by, we have a couple minutes and I just want to keep going on this because this is fun. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Absolutely. But like Theramore would probably either either would have never been founded or maybe still would have been founded by a Jaina who instead of feeling hurt and pain just wanted to go out on her own wanted to carve her own path but Theramore would probably still stand we wouldn't yeah. we wouldn't we likely wouldn't have that there could have been something else well plus i mean think of it this way we know full well that certain things were still going to happen if if durotar i mean durotan and his people came through and joined up and and made the the orc human alliance. There's still all the orcs back on on Draenor, including Nerzul, 
who's still stuck on a world that is dying. Yeah. He's still going to want to do something. And Gul'dan's going to be over there. Oh, but, well, man, think about this, too. Think about a world in which Garrosh still was living and waiting in, in being raised but not in the shadow of like this figure of, of that he couldn't live up to, but is brought through with all of the surviving works. The ones that chose peace and, and tranquility yeah, like and ancestor worship. Yeah. Duratar would have brought him. Duratar would have reached out and brought them over. And if it wasn't for them, you know, you have Garrosh growing up with Thrall at that point. You have the two of them. Dude, dude, no, no, you're not getting it. Go ahead. You have Garrosh growing up with Thrall and Van and Varian. Yeah. And Arthas. Yes. <laughs> Imagine the four of them turn into a new version of the Medivh, Lane, and, and Lothar deal. You've got Durotar and and Anduin Lothar as kind of the grumpy old men leading them off into stuff or constantly trying to like stop them from doing things and like, oh God, where'd they go now? They're in Stranglethorn. Oh, we have to go to Stranglethorn now? What's wrong with Stranglethorn? Oh, Thrall, trust me, you're not gonna like Stranglethorn. How do you feel about pirates? Like, like there's, you, you could have, that would have been like, see, uh, listen, if, if anybody out there is listening to this and you happen to be an author that likes to pitch ideas for comic books and or stories to IP holders, please take this one and use it. You have my blessing. I want to see this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just the, the, the amount of stuff you could do with this. Uh, one of the things that I really feel like the, the, what if cartoon success has shown us is that there's an appetite for these kind of stories. Where, where people look at these things and say, hey, what if this had happened instead? And I think the Warcraft cosmology is really ripe for it. Yeah. Because it, we keep, like, I, I remember when when Warlords of Draenor came out, how many people wanted to go see the alternate Alliance version? Like, what's going on in the alternate Azeroth where these guys never showed up? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, you know, and I, I think there is... We could talk more about this one. In fact, I'm I'm now sitting here thinking about like all okay, these so weird stories and adventures you could have. Here's, with it, I'm, gonna, ahead, I'm gonna I'm gonna pose this out there for our listeners. I want you to sound off on Discord, on Twitter, or X, whatever the heck they call it, Blue Sky, wherever your socials are. Uh, let us know if you want us to do an entire episode about a what if Elseworlds for Warcraft. Mm-hmm. Matt and I will sit down and we will do this. And I want to know if this is something you are absolutely interested in. Maybe it becomes an entire series that we do in, in chunks. Um, we pick an episode, we go through and we go through specific events and we retell the story. Guys, someday, someday, somehow I will share with you my weird alternate gnome thing. One of these I days post about it years ago, but it's, I've, I've got so much guys, so much. And one of these days, maybe I'll share the, uh, wonderful fanfic I wrote many years ago about how hearthstones actually work. Yeah, which somebody asked a question about Hearthstones in this email, and and I've obviously ruined mm-hmm. it for us. But I did read your question, and I have been thinking about it. Um, I do have some ideas. I think you're onto something, quite frankly. I uh, uh, I will dust off the post from 2006. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I think that's going to do it for right now. We can keep going all day. I promised that we were going to get to to more questions. I lied. I'm sorry. But I think you hopefully will have enjoyed this. Uh, Guys, look, you know it's us. You know what we do. We we found a rabbit. We chased the rabbit. Uh, so <laughs> Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast signing community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to our podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue and an answer reset experience. Again, 
I want to hear your comments. If you want us to do an Elseworld series or a what if series, we will do this. I will, I will go, mm-hmm. I will go out. I will, I will make epic music for the background as we're talking about it. I will do the thing. Matt, I'm sure is 100% in because it lets us be wacky wild and, uh, put all of our AU fanfics that we've been writing for years into actual use. Um, but send it, send in any questions, comments that you have for us. You can hit us up at podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Uh, if it's for this show, specify that, please. Uh, you can also hit us up on our Discord. We have our Q and Podcast Questions channel. And for our Patreon subscribers, again, thank you so much for helping us uh, keep this site afloat. Uh, we have the Patreon Q and Podcast Questions channel. But with that, folks, we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>